such meaningless thought The shell appears strong But the inside is right It's time to be stirred The time is now The winds have changed Read the signs No time to hide The winds have changed Millennia ago from the little cave on the tiny island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea, the heavens opened. Since then, the world has been fascinated by the cosmic upheaval brewing on the horizon of history. The upheaval is now upon us. It is within us. To some degree, it always has been. But there has been a sudden and violent shift in the affairs of the world. The winds have changed. Heaven will not be silent. Let's now join Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago, and author of A Mother's Plea, For the Winds Have Changed. Together we can pave the way for a hopeful response to the signs of our times. Hi everybody and welcome to GIF. Thank God it's Friday. Right? Friday. Friday. Welcome. Yeah. My 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 my, 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 my busy time begins. Yes. <laughs> so, and so it begins. So it begins. The kids at mass again. You know, the today, the, to today, today, uh, we had the mass as we do on Friday for the children and students. So they, it was nice. We, we had a, the family mass on Sunday. Were you there for that? Yes, I was. Yeah. It was a beautiful mass. Were we? Were we on the radio Tuesday? No, no, no. we weren't. Okay, no. we were kind of here yesterday, but <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah, we could. We had our own little. We show, had our right? own radio off air. Yeah. We had our radio, which show. was kind of nice. You know, it was. So. I thought it was nice. <laughs> anyway, we never get to prepare for a show. It's just come in and do. But it was yeah nice. So, well, let's uh, pray that we yeah. won't waste any time with prayer. The world needs our prayers. Uh, the nation needs the prayers. The world needs their prayers. The church needs our prayers. We all need Everyone. prayer. <laughs> we all need prayer. You know, be happy. What? What is it? Uh, what, what's that? Don't old worry. Saying? Don't be worry. Happy. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. I swear. You know, I, I in the morning I, I wake up and I I'm tossing and turning. And today, what was it? It was uh, 3:30 and. All these things are going through my head, and I'm thinking the worst thoughts about this and that, what's coming and what's gone. Isn't and, that the truth? And, and then I think, Father, uh, what does God say? Be still. And be know, still and know that I am God. God. And I keep repeating that. We have to be reminded, help. Father, because <laughs> it doesn't work for me. You know what? And he keeps us on our toes because he really cuts it close. You know what I do everything. is I, I, I pray because, I, I, you know, Jesus, mercy, I trust in you. Jesus, mercy, I trust in you. Okay, now why isn't this going away? All these, all these worrying thoughts come into my head. Um, so, okay, so then I said, Jesus, one day at a time, Jesus says, just take it one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has troubles enough of its own. Uh, okay, I'm, so be at peace, you know. But uh, it just, it's, it's strange, isn't it, how that, that mind works? It, it does. Yeah. It, and and, and, and you know what I, what I but, mm -hmm. but I tell you what, I have to be honest, I can't wait to get to the chapel. Yes. Because once I get to the chapel, then it's as if it's not as if in reality okay. I can I can let those worries subside uh, and, and and really feel the trust uh, able to put trust in in the Lord. But uh, so there is there is I, I'm, I'm convinced of this. I was telling the children children today about this, the power of the Blessed Sacrament, yeah. you know, and, and today we had the uh, the gospel reading is. I uh, should have brought the uh, 
the like the lectionary down, but it's the 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 man who he, Jesus is in uh, Tyra, in the Decapolis area, um, which I think is kind of southeast, in the southeastern part of um, Galilee. It's kind of a uh, many different uh, religious traditions there, and uh, anyway, there was a man who was uh, deaf, mm. and he had a speech impediment, and he asked, they, and he brought the man to Jesus for him to heal, heal him, and, he, and of course he did. This is when he um, took him aside, he took him away, apart from the people, and uh, uh, he, he, he groans, the Lord groans, his Ephatha, you know, Father, um, uh, which is one of the, I was reading, one of the few places where we actually hear Jesus speak his own language, Arabic. And, uh, but anyway, the, the, the point being is that uh, he, he was able to hear, and he immediately went to proclaim. Uh, now, he had a speech impediment. He couldn't uh, really, really speak well. And the, the, the point is, I was, I was trying to impress upon the children because I... I, I really insist that they do adoration once mm-hmm. a week, in addition to Mass, that they come for adoration for silence. Uh, and, and, I, and it was a beautiful gospel in the sense, you know, because you see how Jesus, the man couldn't hear. He couldn't hear. And the question is, do we hear? We've got to get into the story. We've got to ask the Lord to open the ears of our souls, uh, that we can attune our ears to the sound of his voice. Uh, because if we don't know Christ... We can't proclaim Christ, right? Or, or the, the story of the blind man, I, I think it was Bartimaeus, who Jesus gave him back his sight on the Sabbath. And, uh, and then Jesus went away. And the uh, Pharisees and the scribes began to harass the man. You know, they said, who did this to you? Who gave you back your sight? And he said, well, w- w- that man they called Jesus. And then later in the day, Jesus heard that he had been harassed, and so he came back, and the, and the man became a follower. He, he had faith, and he became a follower. So it was no longer that man they called Jesus, but he can now speak about this man he calls Jesus. So the point being that the, that the children, of all of us, uh, all of us, and, and again, isn't that the call of Our Lady, you know, open the doors that the cacophony, the rude noise of the world, not shout into silence, the voice of the living God. We've got to create the space. We've got to come away from the noise, away from the distractions. We've got to create the space. We've got to go, go to, an, as Jesus went into the desert, to the top of the mountain, into the wilderness uh, to pray. We've got to go away from the people into an out-of-the-way place in order to uh, attune or to, to, to nurture intimacy with God so that we come to know him in order to love him and serve him, or come to know that we're known by God, and that God, in knowing us, loves us in spite of us, because he, his focus is, is certainly on, uh, and, and people always remember this, you know, when, because I always say to the, to the children, too, you know, you had to try to see yourself through the eyes of God, who created you in his image and likeness, in beauty and goodness. Um, he's the artist, you're the work of his hands. And so that's his focus. That's, he's, that's what he sees. And that's what he wants to bring out of you. I, I probably use the example of Michelangelo. 
uh, the Sistine Chapel. He, you know, did the the ceiling, and, uh, in, in addition to many other things. But um, I remember seeing the Sistine Chapel when it was really full of, full of soot and dirt, and the the beautiful artwork was there. You could see it, but it was it was uh, clouded by the or shrouded or clouded by the the soot and all that. And then uh, I saw it before, and then the Vatican had this was back in the maybe the 1980s or the 1990s. Uh, probably, certainly was under the papacy of John Paul II, and they had it all redone or re, uh, refurbished, mm-hmm. uh, cleaned, mm-hmm. basically cleaned. They didn't want to uh, tamper with the artwork, and uh, and and just the magnif the, the the beauty afterwards. Uh, you know, the, the the magnificence, the color, everything. It was just just so beautiful, so so, so beautiful, so vivid. But um, see, if Michelangelo had been there looking at that. He knows what was he, he, he would he knew he would know what lied what lies beyond the, the soot and the dirt and all that. And and that would he he'd see, you know, and but but you get the point. Mm-hmm. So God is uh, he sees that he, he sees what's what he created, who he created. Uh, and of course rough edges, sinfulness, the soot, the dirt. Uh, isn't that how they used to teach us in the grade school and the, the nuns? You know that you're when you're in sin, your 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 soul is darkened. You know, yeah. and when you go to confession and when you repent of your sins and you know you get rid of those sins and your uh, your soul becomes uh, uh, pure, pure, clean. clean that God is able then to manifest Himself. Sin is an impediment uh, to a, if, if we're living sinful lives then we're not uh, reflecting God's life uh, in us and through us. Uh, but if we're serious about, you know, growing in holiness, you know, that we want to be sanctified, then we let the potter purge and transform and mold the clay of our lives and, tra- and sanctify us. And so the holier, we, the, the holier we become, the more we're able to emanate, because it's really God reflecting himself through us. We become that sacrament that, that mediates God's grace. We may not be aware of it, and He doesn't wait for our perfection. Uh, otherwise, you know, it would never happen, right? Yeah. But but we're being perfected, no doubt. But anyway, so the, but but the but the bottom line is we got to come. We have to create the space. We got to come away. As He took that man away, took him away from the crowd, and there He uh, was able to open up his ears. And in opening his ears that he could hear, he could then proclaim. He could proclaim. And so it's getting into the story. You know, know the Bible. Know what, what saying said, that ignorance of the Gospels, uh, that, that would be ignorance of Christ. We've got to get in into the story, get to know him, pray the Gospels, pray those stories, put yourself in the stories. And we come to know him. And we're we're all those different characters in the in the story, um, all of them, uh, or, or at least we should see ourselves in all of them. And 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 then of course uh, that's uh, at that level we come to know him, but again we don't leave him. As I was telling the, the children, he's not frozen. We don't keep him frozen in the pages of the catechism or in the uh, the pages of sacred scripture. But uh, 
he's, he's, he's not frozen. He's very much alive. And uh, so it would be, uh, you know, how do we speak about him? How do we speak about Jesus? If we speak about that man they call Jesus outside ourselves, hidden in his heaven beyond the beyond, or even the church, for that matter, too. If we speak of the church as something outside of ourselves, then we're missing the point because we're, we're members of the mystical body of Christ, the church. And so, yes, we are the church. Um, and, 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 and that's important as well because uh, people can be very disappointed with uh, things they see or read about or hear uh, with regards to what's going on in the church. But, um, you know, again, knowing the story and uh, being in communion with God, nurturing life in God through prayer, then, you know, we're allowing God to take possession of our lives. Uh, again, what is it? Our, our participation, active partic- participation in the Mass. I find it interesting because they're, they're talking now about the reform of the liturgy and all that. I'm saying, what? okay, what are we talking about? We've got everything, you know, and active participation is offering our lives a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, our spiritual worship. We come to Mass to adore God, to give gratitude to God for creating us, redeeming us, for sanctifying us, remaining with us, we come to offer prayers of supplication on our behalf and the, on behalf of others, and we come for the forgiveness of our sins because we know we're sinners. We acknowledge that at the beginning of Mass and before we even receive Holy Communion. We, we take the words of the centurion and we make, him, we make those words our own. Lord, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. Say but only the word, my soul shall be healed. Um, so, it, it, but, so the, this... Even uh, you know they're talking about the, the, the f- to, to feminize more the liturgy. Uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know, I I scratch my head because I think well, I think if anything we need a bit more masculinity in the liturgy. You know, yeah. I always I, I speak to a holy healthy patriarchy as the crisis of the society is uh, the loss of patri- patriarchy, the loss of fatherhood. And the church is, the, the Holy Father is actually right in speaking about the church as a woman, mother. But um, the, uh, but, but is uh, the, 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 the father, is, is it, uh, as, as, as is the case in many homes today where there's the absence of the father, uh, shouldn't we kind of balance that out? It's going to be interesting. I just don't know. But I'm, I'm just saying we've got everything is there. It's just how do we enter into this sacred mystery? And it is a sacred mystery. It's not about people doing all kinds of things, creating a lot more noise. We've got enough noise in the world. That's why I want the silence in the, in the mass. Um, you know, our response is our participation, but, the, but our real act of participation is the offering of our lives, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, our spiritual worship. And I just don't hear anybody speak about that when they talk about active participation. Do you? I mean, do you? you no, no, not really. You no, know, Father, how you, you mentioned about the patriarchy. Uh, 
and we we had a great loss in the family. My my aunt, my dad's sister in law, passed away, and she was a woman of faith. And when you speak about by the Adrian, way, the eulogy was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was a packed church. Yeah. People were standing in the back. It was yeah. a full church, and we were. It was a blessing, but it's a testimony of my aunt's life. Yeah. How she dedicated her life to her family, but she was a woman of faith. She was a she was a woman of faith, and not that I knew her really really well, but I had met her on a few occasions and a number of occasions actually over the years, and I had her their fiftieth wedding anniversary. Yes. But she was, and even as they and and as they described her, you could see the the now now there is uh, a dignified, noble, graceful woman. Mm-hmm. And you know, just how she, how they described her, and how she treat, you know, her uh, relationship to her children, Absolutely. to her grandchildren, uh, that, that she was a seamstress, and uh, just you know, going to the hospital, you know, taking the the child to the uh, the hospital mm-hmm. uh, for a visit, you know, with the doctor. Not, but you could, you, what what really came through was the. Ma- the, the, the matriarch. She know. was the matriarch. She, she was also the oldest, the oldest, the oldest of, of her, her siblings. siblings. They yeah. were all there, and for us, we grew up with my cousins. She was a second, like a second mother to us. Yeah. So it was very, it was a great loss. But going back to the patriarch, my uncle, as well as my father and my other uncle, the three brothers, they are the patriarchs of their family. And my now that we're doing the novena after she passed away. My uncle takes charge. He leads the the rosary. He leads the prayers. Um, My aunt, as we were growing up, and both of them were were, uh, raising their children, she was the matriarch. She supported her husband, but he was the head of the the household, and that's the same as in my family. My father is too. And you see that, and that's what we need. And it's by no means putting down the woman at all. No, they they complement each other. It, well, if, if anything, it, it gives women her dignity. It raises yes. her up. Yes. Because they, they complement each other. You, yes. need, you need patriarchy and matriarchy, Matriarch. but they have to balance each other out. Yes. But without the... But you, you, know, you mentioned... Uh, and, and I remember when we would have home masses and uh, we'd, we'd pray the rosary and, or the chaplet. I think it was usually the rosary at that. Uh, we'd have the mass and then have the rosary or rosary and then the mass... Uh, this was for six years, once a week we were doing this, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget the homes. In fact, most of those homes, actually these were all Mexican families or Latino, Hispanic families, but the fathers, if I if I didn't lead the prayer, uh, I mean, I did the Mass, right? But uh, oftentimes uh, the father would lead the prayer, and this mm-hmm. is the way it should be, you know? Not that the mother doesn't pray, because uh, mothers will also pray. pray. But, yes. but there's a there's a point where men ha- men should be extremely comfortable in their role as men and leaders of prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus, I, I, I tell the man, you know, Jesus, he kept the men very close to himself, very close to himself, and and sent them out, sent them out. Yeah. Uh, the women, the women were there too. They, 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 they balance it, it balances each out. other out. Yeah. But but that was a very beautiful. The the, the, the things that were were said of Ana Maria were really yeah. really beautiful, and it, it it captured beautifully her her character, her personality, yes. and her faith, her, her deep faith. faith, her deep love for the church. And and what was it? 
The rosary, the rosary and adoration. Uh, that's correct. Adoration, rosary, and the mass. And the mass, yes. Those are the three pillars, right? Mm-hmm. She always went to mass, prayed the rosary, prayed the rosary and had and was uh, an adore of the Blessed Sacrament. Absolutely. And I think that's, that. again, there's where, if you want to talk about the reform of the church, there's where it's at, you know, for men and for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, we'll take a break. I'll be right back. We'll pray, and then we'll... Uh, i, I got to share with you the story of... Uh, St. Josephine Baquita, whose feast day was yesterday. It's really a, a very, very beautiful story, especially in, in, in light of what's going on uh, in Nigeria, you know, the, the massacre yeah. of Christians and the abduction, kidnapping of children uh, in Nigeria. So don't go away. We will be right back. I'm Father Anthony on Winds of Change on AM 750 WNDZ. How long has it been since you have been to church? Busy schedule? Work? Or just lost interest? To be Catholic is not just merely attending Mass as just another weekend activity to be checked off the to-do list. Participation in the Sacred Liturgy gives you the opportunity to be intimately connected to Christ through the Holy Eucharist. You can also cleanse yourself of sin through the Sacrament of Reconciliation as a baptized Catholic. Come before the iconic monstrance to be in Christ's presence in the sacred silence of the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy. St. Stanislaus Koska Church is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. St. Stan's is just off the Kennedy, two blocks north of Division on Noble. Come back to Christ through the sacred liturgy and his gift of the sacraments at St. Stan's. You are listening to Mary Fiorito and Loretta Freilich on Wings of Change. Father Thomas Loya invites you to an experience of a lifetime. Join him, join him, along with Father Andrew Somerset and Laura Irachi for a Byzantine Catholic retreat and pilgrimage to Guadalupe, Mexico. Saturday through Saturday, this April, the 20th through the 27th. In honor of Our Lady of Guadalupe, this retreat and pilgrimage to Guadalupe, Mexico is designed to offer you an experience of culture and faith as well as moments for personal and community prayer in the Byzantine Catholic tradition. There you will be able to venerate the miraculous image of Our Lady's image on Blessed Juan Diego's Tilma. For complete information and to register for the Byzantine Catholic retreat and pilgrimage to Guadalupe, Mexico, Saturday through Saturday, this April 20th through the 27th, 7th. visit the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Father Anthony here with Tony and Christina and Daniel and Armin on the other side, the wizards behind the curtain, right? Um, we got to pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, 
the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth. We beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the world for the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Eternal God, whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible, look kindly upon us, increase your mercy in us that in difficult moments we might not despair nor become despondent, but with great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will, which is love and mercy itself. O most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of Mercy, at this most critical time, we entrust our nation and the whole world to your loving care. Most Holy Mother, we beg you, reclaim this land and this world for the glory of your Son. Overwhelmed with the burden of the sins of our nation, we cry to you from the depths of our hearts and seek refuge in your motherly protection. Look down with mercy upon us and touch the hearts of our people. Open our, open our minds to the great worth of human life and to the responsibilities that accompany human freedom. Free us from the falsehoods that lead to the evil of abortion and threaten the sanctity of family life. Grant our country the wisdom to proclaim that God's law is the foundation on which this nation was founded and that he alone is a true source of our cherished rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. O merciful Mother, give us the courage to reject the culture of death and the strength to build a new culture 
of life and trusting in your most powerful intercession we pray remember O most gracious Virgin Mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thy intercession was left unaided inspired by this confidence we fly unto thee O Virgin of Virgins our mother to thee do we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer us. O Mary conceived without sin, pray, pray for, for us who have recourse to thee. O Mary conceived without sin, pray, pray for us who have recourse to thee. O Mary conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. Saint Joseph. Pray for us. Saint Josephine Baquita. Pray for us. Saint Michael the Archangel. Pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So yesterday was the feast of Saint Josephine Paquita, um, who uh, died. I believe she died February eighth. That's why her feast day was yesterday. She was an African nun who was born in Sudan eventually became an Italian citizen. But she experienced, uh, the, gosh, the firsthand horrors of slavery for much of her life. Uh, the name Bakita, which means lucky in Arabic, was given to her by those who trafficked, trafficked her. I always get that, trafficked Traf her. Trafficked trafficked her when she was between seven and nine years old. Uh, she then received the name Josephine Giuseppina when she was 12 years, or 12 years later when she was baptized. But um, she wrote in her biography, she said, if I were to meet again those slave traders who kidnapped and tortured me, I would kneel down to kiss their hands because if this had not happened, I would not now know, I would not now be Christian and religious, is what she wrote in her biography. Mm -hmm. These are the words that are kind of introduced, introduced to the beauty of her spirit and the greatness of her heart. She's an icon of the history of Christianity in Africa. So her origins were not completely clear, but that she was probably born in a village in Darfur, Sudan, around 1869. She did not know for sure where and when she was born, nor did she remember the name she was given at birth. Can you imagine that? But she did have memories of the period before she was kidnapped and sold into slavery. She, she writes, I lived a very happy and carefree life without knowing what suffering was. You know, I, when I read that, I recall being in Rwanda and just the, the happiness and the carefreeness. This is 10 years after the genocide, but the children you know, all barefoot, and uh, they had their shaved heads and all that, but in uh, Cabejo, it, it was just, just a beautiful to see these children. They just, they were just, they had nothing. 
They were so happy, so carefree. Uh, they came to Mass at 6 o'clock in the morning. The Mass was packed, you know, before they went to school at 6 in the morning. Um, they would come at the, the beat of the drum, you know, to the Mass. And, uh, and gosh, just the beauty there. It, it is, Rwanda is a, a beautiful country. But the hills and the mountains, they've got uh, tea uh, plantations and all that. And But you can see, you can stand and you can just see all the hills as you just uh, look at it. It just looks like a paradise. And you can smell the burning of the wood or what, what as a, you know, because mm-hmm. they basically, they lived in uh, these little tiny, uh, not, uh, you know, what, how would you call it? A chosa. A chosa. Like a hut. Like a hut. Mm-hmm. Like these little huts with the dirt floors and all that. But they would cook outside mm-hmm. and all that, and you could smell the. It was just. It was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. But, but when the at the at the main church when the, uh, when it was time for mass, and I didn't necessarily see this at six in the morning. I got there. I'm wake. You know, waking up. But, but it, for the Sunday masses and all that, they would they would come at the the beat of the drum and and they would come singing. Mm-hmm. Wow. From the different, and you, could, and you could see the different paths, you know, mm-hmm. that they would take, and they would come singing and and clapping as they would come to mass. It was just, but just part of their culture. Yes, part of their culture. So beautiful, so beautiful. But uh, but I, I I thought of that immediately when she writes about all she remembers because she was kidnapped between the age of seven and nine. All I remember is that I lived a very happy, carefree life without knowing what suffering was. Um, she lived with her parents and siblings until the day she was kidnapped in the forest by Arab slave traders. Because, see, this is, this is happening now in uh, Nigeria and other parts of Africa. Uh, they took her to a town called El Obied, where she was sold. The man who bought her that day would be the first of a total of five masters wow. who owned her during her life. One of these five, one of those five men, her fourth master, was a particularly cruel. She suffered the worst humiliation and mistreatment by him when she was only about 13. He had her tattooed, which involved suffering 114 incisions made to her skin, in her skin. And to avoid later infection, these cuts were cured, quote-unquote, with salt over the, over the course of a month. And as she reflected on the great trauma and, bu- and, and the abuse that she endured, she remarked, I felt like I was going to die at any moment, especially when they put the salt on me. Now, again, what does she write in her biography? If I were to meet again those slave traders who kidnapped and tortured me, I would kneel down to kiss their hands because if this had not happened, I would not now be Christian and religious. In 1884, Bakita arrived in Italy accompanying her fifth master and a friend of his, Augusto Micheli, Micheli, would become her sixth and last owner after taking her to his house as a servant, as a servant because slavery was forbidden in Italy, so she became a servant, and she worked as a nanny in his home, and uh, became very, very close to the family, very close friends with uh, the family, and one of, and, and especially one of the daughters 
a menina, 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 was a daughter. And they became very, very close. And years later, both would become nuns in Vienna. Uh, what's interesting is I was sharing the story last night at Mass on her feast day, and Maria, who comes to the church, uh, she was part of it. She was in that order. Oh, wow. She was, so she was shocked that I was telling the story. She came up to me afterwards. She had gone to this order. She was part of this community, and then from this community, uh, one of the novice mistresses became a cloister nun, and she joined the cloister nuns, mm. uh, ended up in, uh, in Rockford, in a, in a cloistered monastery, poor Claire's, and then eventually left, and and her life is lived as a as a nun as anyway. A nun. You know, it, uh, she prays all right. the time. She's like she's like uh, Anna in the Gospel, always uh, in the temple in praying, the temple praying, always praying. Um, and she also takes care of sick people. people. But anyways, during this time with uh, the Michelli family, that Paquita came to know God and learned that he had always remi- that he had always remained in her heart that he had, he had always been with her even in the moments of greatest pain and that he had given her the strength to be able to endure so much mistreatment on January 9th 1890 uh, the saint received baptism first holy communion and confirmation and from that moment she took the Christian name of Josephine Margaret Fortunata. She decided to stay in Italy, where she felt safer, far from the danger of being enslaved again, and where she had met the one she had been waiting for all her life, of course, Jesus mm-hmm. of Nazareth. And together with Minina, she entered the novitiate of the Institute of the Sisters of Charity in Venice and would become, years later, a member of the order at the age of 38 on December 7th, 1893. And in 1902, she was sent to Venice where she worked cleaning, cooking, and caring for the poor without doing anything extraordinary. And Bikita earned the reputation of a saint, always modest, always humble. She maintained a firm faith, making her daily life a beautiful offering to God. And she died finally in February, on February 8th, 1947, in northern Italy, not in Venice, but in Sicho, uh, uh, northern Italy. Never even heard of that place. And, th- and they said thousands of people came to her funeral. It's amazing, the, the, the fragrance of holiness. When you read of even St. Stanislaus Koska or these saints, that there, there was just something about them. And they we're talking about the very simple, ordinary people. St. Stanislaus Koska died at the age of 19. Uh, he was a novice. And yet um, the fragrance of holiness, uh, the, the, his holiness was, was well-renowned. And again, thousands of people at their funerals. Um, and this is before the age of the Internet and, and all mm-hmm. that stuff, you know. Amazing. Because of her spirituality, closeness to God, and, and the strength in face of adversity, Pope John Paul II called her a universal sister in his homily during her beatification. She was beatified May 17, 1992. He says, In our time in which we, the unbridled race for power, money, and enjoyment causes so much distrust, violence, and loneliness, the Lord gives us back Sister Baquita as a universal sister so that she may reveal to us a secret of the truest happiness, the Beatitudes. 
and he also canonized her in 2000 during the Jubilee of the Second Millennium, honoring the African people and all those who suffered slavery uh, throughout history. In 2007, Pope Benedict used the example of, of St. Josephine Baquita in his, in his encyclical, In Hope We Were Saved, to recall what the meaning of hope is. And here's his quote. He says, Baquita had known only owners who despised and mistreated her, or at best considered her a useful slave. Now, on the contrary, she heard that there was a Peron above all masters, the Lord of the Lord of all lords, and that this Lord is good, goodness in person. She learned that this Lord also knew her, that he had created her, moreover that he loved her. She too was loved, and precisely by the supreme Peron, the supreme master, before whom all others are but miserable servants. She was known and loved, and she was expected. Expected. In other words, I think I'm, from the translation that she was expected, that she was destined for God as we all are, because we're created by God for God. And that the, in, in, in a sense, the Lord awaited her, um, her conversion that would come after she had to endure the, the atrocities, the, the cruelness of, of her abductors, the, uh, her masters. Even more, the Pope continued, this owner, with a big O, Christ, had personally faced the fate of being mistreated and now awaited her at the right hand of God the Father. At this moment, she had, she had hope, not only the small hope of finding less cruel owners, but the greatest hope. I am definitely loved. Whatever happens, this great love awaits me, she wrote. This is why my life is beautiful. Isn't that amazing when you think about the... Isn't it true that, you know, we really... Uh, we glean from people who suffer. You know, we, when, when you, when you, don't you? I mean, I think this is a case. You, you like to read because, because who doesn't, who doesn't suffer? But to, to read about people who have suffered, how they endured, uh, I'm drawn to that. Mm -hmm. um, you, you don't read about somebody who's been happy all their life because I don't think such people exist. <laughs> not really. In, in reality. Uh, life is, uh, is you know, it's, I say it's in the nature of the world to wound us, and we want to become wounded healers, right? So anyway, but that's her, her story. Uh, uh, and then finally, uh, Benedict, what did he say? Pope Benedict further stressed that to the knowledge of this hope she has redeemed, she no longer felt she was a slave, but a free daughter of God. She understood what Paul meant when he reminded the Ephesians that before they were in the world without hope, before they were in the world without hope and without God, without hope because they were without God. But once they find God, then they're infused with hope. We have something to look forward to. We can endure the trials and tribulations and the distresses of life, the persecutions, because we know 
that all things end well for those who love God, those who know that they're loved by God. So it's interesting, isn't it, though? But it's so true, Father, that we, I mean, I speak for myself, but many others, too, that we relate to the suffering. Even, you know, when you hear these songs that artists write, people can relate or drawn to the those songs that are of suffering, sadness, because it's part of life. It's part it's of a, life. It's, it's, it's real. Nobody, nobody, but nobody will escape it. Speaking of that, any comment? Oh, no, no, I just, I'm just thinking, too, that Christina said it the best, the better, better way that I can say it. It's, yeah, you're drawn to people that, you know, you appreciate. Well, it's not so much you appreciate it, but it's... You can relate. I, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, when something's too easy, <laughs> I mean, I think that's one of the best lessons we, you know, when you, sometimes you go through life and you have a good day, let's just say, and <laughs> I don't have many good days. I'm just one of those people that are like that, but you, you, you cherish the day, but you know, life's a work and, and, you know, there's bad and there's good. So, so I wonder how you, we talk often about, you know, the, the, the struggle we have with joy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, and, 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 and the Pope wrote something the other day, which was very interesting, and I, I had to read it twice. Um, he's been doing a catechesis on vices and virtues, and uh, this was at his audience, just on Wednesday, from his audience. But I found it interesting because anytime I, 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 I'm intrigued by joy, sorrow, and sadness. Um, and I've, I've said it before, but you know, Pope John Paul II... Mother Teresa, in them, I saw a deep, deep joy and simultaneously a deep sorrow, mm -hmm. a deep sorrow. And it was intriguing to me, uh, not an anger, not, uh, they didn't, they didn't, didn't, they, they their, their countenance was light. Mm -hmm. It was, they emanated light. But in that light was uh, a, a, an unbelievable joy, but also a real sorrow. And I just, I find it very interesting. And uh, so I've said many times, I have a problem with joy uh, because I don't always feel, well, it's just happy, the difference between happiness and joy. Mm. Um, it's not, it's not a superficial. Not so, joy, joy, it's, joy it's is deep. It's, it's deep. It's, mm -hmm. it's knowing. Uh, mm -hmm. I have meaning and purpose in life. I have hope because I know mm. that, that what lies beyond the cross. And so that what's, that's what keeps us in the battle, in the trenches, fighting the good fight, bearing with life. And I think the suffering, I mean, not that people want to suffer, but the suffering is a blessing because we're able to empathize with others and, and help one another on the journey. Because if we don't know suffering, then how can we? You don't. You know what I'm trying yes, to say. Yes, yes, of course. Because what comes from suffering is compassion. Yes, mm -hmm. right. If we, if we, yeah. uh, it, it creates within us compassion and mm -hmm. empathy. Yes. And and that's why we look to the cross because in the cross we see God's compassion mm -hmm. and God's empathy. We suffer with. He suffered with us. Um, but the but the Holy Father was saying, and and it, so the first uh, uh, paragraph caught my attention because I thought. What? You know, in our itinerary of catechesis on the vices and virtues, today we will look at rather at a rather ugly vice, sorrow. 
I never saw sorrow as a vice. Mm. No. Understood as a de- despondency of the soul. Okay, now that makes a little bit more sense. A constant affliction that prevents man from feeling joy at his own existence. Mm. First and foremost, it must be noted that with regard to sorrow, the fathers drew an important distinction. It is this. There is, in fact, a sorrow that is appropriate to Christian life and that, with God's grace, can be changed into joy. Obviously, this must not be rejected and forms part of the path of conversion. But there is a second type of sorrow that creeps into the soul and prostrates, prostrates it in a state of despondency. It is a second kind of sorrow that must be fought resolutely and with every, stre- with, with every strength because it comes from the evil one. This distinction is found also in St. Paul who wrote to the Corinthians, Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret. But worldly grief produces death. So again, I'm, uh, in that would be hope, right? That we, have, we live in hope. There is therefore a friendly sorrow that leads to salvation. Think of the prodigal son of the parable when he reaches the depths of his degeneracy. He feels great bitterness and this prompts him to come to his senses and to decide to return home to his father. It is a grace to lament over one's own sins, to remember the state of grace from which we have fallen, to weep because we have lost the purity in which God dreamed of us. But there is a second sorrow, which is indeed an ailment of the soul. It arises in the human heart when, when a desire or hope vanishes. Here we can, refer, we, we can refer to the account of the disciples of Emmaus in the Gospel of Luke. Those two disciples leave Jerusalem with a disappointed heart, and they confide to the stranger, who at one point accompanies them, who is Jesus. They don't recognize him. And they said, we had hoped that he, Jesus, was the one to redeem us. The dynamic of sorrow is linked to the experience of loss, the experience of loss. In the heart of man, hope, hopes arise that are sometimes dashed. It can be the, the, the desire to possess something that instead we are unable to obtain. But it can also be something important, such as a, an emotional loss. When this happens, it is as if man's heart falls from a precipice and the sentiments he feels are discouragement, weakness of spirit, depression, and anguish. And we all go through that. We all go through ordeals that generate sorrow in us because life makes us conceive dreams that are then shattered. In this situation, some, after a time of turmoil, rely on hope, but others wallow in melancholy, allowing it to fester in their hearts. I always think of myself as kind of melancholic. Is that a word? Melancholic? Melancholic, yes. Melancholy. Uh, So I guess that's a sin. Uh, 
Does one take pleasure in this? See, sorrow is like the pleasure of non-pleasure. It is like taking a bitter, bitter, bitter candy without sugar, unpleasant, and sucking that candy. Sorrow is taking pleasure in non-pleasure. I don't know what that means. That <laughs> just went over my head. Um, anyway, uh, let me just kind of run down here. Uh, so so, so the, the point is, I, I guess, you know, we don't want to, we, we can't live with bitterness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got, we can't lose hope. Uh, sadness, well, how would you do, how, how would you distinguish between sadness and sorrow? I think sorrow, I, I think sorrow is a little more, I would say more deep. More deep. A deeper emotion, feeling. But sadness can be deep too. <laughs> a deep sadness. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the point is that but when, when but, we're suffering, to uh, to keep that hope not to fall into despair. Right. The I hopelessness. Know that, yeah, exactly. If, you, yeah. if we yeah, fall into were, despair, yeah. that would be dis- despondency of the, of the soul, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, despairing, yeah. Uh, despairing. Because uh, sorrow, um, I it seems like yeah, sad sadness can be deep. Right. You can if you have a deep sadness, sadness. Would lead to despair. I think yeah. sorrow, sorrow, be, sorrow is the, that's the difference. Wouldn't yeah. you say? I think sorrow is more of a despair. It could turn into despair. despair. Sorrow, a long-lasting sorrow. Sadness, you can be sad, but then you you know you get better. Oh, see, I th- I'm thinking sorrow. of it in a different way. I'm thinking sorrow is the, uh, like, you know, I think of the sorrowful mysteries Mo- of the rosary, the right? The sorrowful mother. The sorrowful mother. Uh, the the, the sorrow we feel at, at, at the things that are going on in the world that, mm-hmm. are, that d- don't have to be. Mm-hmm. You know, the breakdown of the family, the violence. Uh, I think sorrow is, I think it's something more even yeah, deeper so. in the recesses of, of the soul. But when you say Our Lady, although she was sorrowful, she knew the good end, I believe. Well, yeah, That's she, why she, she would never be despair. She never, she never went into despair, yeah. She didn't, like, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken yeah. me, Jesus, from the cross? But into your hands I commend my mm-hmm. spirit. So there is this uh, momentary sense of God's absence, the mm-hmm. absence of the Father. He longed for the return of the Father. Uh, he had to pass by way of the cross where he didn't sin, but took sin to himself. He became sin. And, uh, but, uh, or, or let's say, you know, the Christ in, uh, okay, th- this image, I, which is a beautiful image of Jesus, as he comes to Jerusalem toward the end of his life, one of the last trips he makes to Jerusalem, and this is the last trip he makes, but he's staying in the vicinity around Jerusalem, and he comes over the hill, and he looks upon the holy city, and he falls to his, uh, he falls to the ground, and he weeps, he weeps, uh, a deep sadness, a deep sorrow. sorrow, and he says, "Oh Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, how like a mother hen I tried to gather you like chicklings out of my under my wings, but you refused me, and you refused me to your own um, demise in mm-hmm. a sense." forgot the word that was used, but um, in other words, what will befall you now for having refused me? Because the Lord, he, he does say, you know, if, if you're, I'm always faithful, but if you're unfaithful, I remain faithful. But if you refuse me, if you deny me, I deny you because I have to respect your 
your choice. But there is that. Uh, but I think that the sorrow is even more deeper than sadness. Sorrow is like when you have a loss. Let's say somebody, a loved one, you go, you have that deep sorrow that gets in the, the recesses of the soul. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. We're just about out of time, Christine. Okay, but I just, no, I just want to say, you know, I, I, I think that's true. I, I, again, I have to go back mm-hmm. uh, through this. But the sorrow is, uh, is, is a constant reality. Again, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Mother Teresa or Pope John Paul II or anybody who has to look into the world. And, you know, I can't be always joyful, but I can have yeah. a joy. My joy is, is knowing that I can do good mm-hmm. and, and, and good is done to me. And, and, and I know all things will end well for those sure. who love God. So we see beyond the cross into the glory, mm-hmm. the light of the resurrection. That's, there's that hope. At the same time, uh, a, perpetual, a, a perpetual sorrow mm. because the crucifixion of Christ is perpetuated. Even if the fountain of mercy, the fount of mercy is yeah. perpetuated, this also the suffering, the crucifixion of Jesus is perpetuated as we see in the sufferings of people who suffer because they're, they're either victims or even mm-hmm. perpetrators yeah. Yeah. of suffering. Yeah. So anyway, we can come back to this, but it is, it, it, it uh, is interesting. Sure. The, anyway, well, we'll come back to come that. Back. <laughs> we'll come back. Uh, when God wants, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for being with us. Have a wonderful weekend. Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Peace be with you. Ciao. What's there to say when the world makes no sense? Do we search deeper truths or sit on the fence? Can you see? Can you see? Oh,